I asked today's guest which of the top Christian platitudes she would burn to the ground if she had a chance. Kristen LaValley joins me for a great conversation in which we talk about her upcoming book that dives into what happens when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want. We also talk about Taylor Swift, dance parties, and her thoughts on anti-deconstruction books. You are going to love this conversation. I'm Amy Fritz, and you're listening to the Untangled Faith Podcast, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all that is not good or true, this is the place for you. In 2019, I stumbled across Kristen LaValle's Instagram account, and I have been a fan ever since. Her family has gone through a lot in the last several years, including a high-risk pregnancy with twins and a subsequent hospitalization and premature birth. But if that's all you know about Kristen, you're missing some pieces that I think will help fill in the blanks. In this conversation, we talk about platitudes, how suffering changes how we view God, the mystery of how prayer works, and I even managed to ask her a few lighthearted questions. Here's our conversation. Hello. Welcome, Kristen LaValle, to the Untangled Faith Podcast. I am very happy to have you here. Here's where I had to tell Kristen what drew me to her in the first place. Love about you. This is why I loved you. Uh, number one, you're not, you're like allergic to platitudes. That is true. <laughs> and number two, you didn't seem to be afraid of people expressing their emotions, their feelings, their pain or confusion about faith. And that shouldn't have been unusual. But at the time in 2019, Amy needed that. Mm -hmm. And so my first question for you, Kristen, is would, I don't know, 2010 Kristen recognize Kristen's ability to like hold space for messy things in the no, world what happened not at all 2010 <laughs> Kristen would be like I stopped being a Christian what happened to me <laughs> I don't know I think I just went through some really hard things that made me appreciate how complicated things can get how, how complicated our faith can get and I learned to not be so afraid of the journey that we can go on. And so when I look at other people who went through the same thing that I went through, I can't panic because I'm like, oh, you're going to be okay. I was okay. And I would have thought you can't go through what I went through and still end up with Jesus on the other side of it. And yet here I am. <laughs> here you are. Yeah. I, I like, I remember messaging you and being like, just thank you for existing. And my <laughs> husband had recently left his job, job working for Dave Ramsey. And you did not feel like you needed to tell me to not talk about that. <laughs> Stop, yeah. Amy. You're gossiping. You didn't yeah. say I you didn't feel like you needed to protect anyone's image. And yeah, I was just really grateful for that. So thank oh, you for I'm that. Glad. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad that it honored your experience in that way. So one thing I love about your book that you have coming out, even if he doesn't, which comes mm -hmm. out so soon. So soon. Like <laughs> is every chapter you have sort of this like, here's here's kind of how we get it wrong. And here's just a little shift of like a different way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of Kate Bowler's book, mm -hmm. Everything Happens. <laughs> and she has a list on her blog. I'm going to read to you. of okay. The top five worst religious cliches for people in pain. <laughs> and I'm going to have you choose one of them that you are going to burn to the ground. Ooh. I know it's going to be hard to choose. Okay. But you choose one. Okay. So okay. here are the five top worst cliches. Okay. God needed an angel. Mm. 
God is closing a door, but opening a window. Mm-hmm. Number three, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Number four, God never gives us more than we can handle. <laughs> and number five, everything happens for a reason. Which one would you like oh to burn? Oh my gosh. Oh. Burn to ashes. All of them, but I can only choose one. <laughs> oh man, they're all just like rife with bad theology, aren't they? And I yeah. want to rip yeah. it all, rip it all apart. I would say the one that I would burn is what was the second to last one? Um, I want to say that it God wrong. never gives us more. Yeah, that one never gives us more than we can handle. I I would just, from the very first word, implying that God gives us all of this crap that we have to deal with is bad enough as it is. So God gives me, God did all this to me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And he doesn't give us more than we can handle. That is not true. We cannot handle anything. (laughs) We live our lives unable to, to handle, at least I do. I don't know. I feel like I can't handle anything, but I don't think that God gives us anything. And that kind of theology, it just makes you feel like God is out to get you. And that couldn't be furthest from the truth so you know what just burn burn it set it on fire that's all. Yeah, set that one on fire god yes. bye uh, we don't miss you in in her book everything happens kate talks about the cliche of god's gonna give you a window and she talks about her friend who's like in a wheelchair he's like i can't even get to the damn window <laughs> who's gonna open what this window I for me and what happens when i launch myself out of the window what am I supposed to do with all these damn windows? I think he said. <laughs> I think people are well-meaning, though. I'm. I've said sure. so many stupid things. Past Amy thought she knew all the answers, and then life happens, right? You know, right. when you have experienced hard things, it causes you to think through things. At least I think it should, <laughs> and yeah. I think that's your argument in this whole this whole yeah. book is that if we are honest about our faith. Mm-hmm. life happens yeah and then what do we do what do we do when life bumps up against these ideas that we had about scripture and god mm-hmm. um i want you to tell me about mr skinny jeans and how you <laughs> open up your book and and your thoughts on that there are two antagonists in my book mr skinny jeans <laughs> and a first grader named emily <laughs> mr <laughs> mr skinny jeans is it was a real account I actually found the screenshot on my phone the other day of when I sent that post to my husband and he the the skinny jeans post was uh don't let your circumstances change the way that you view God and Mr. Skinny Jeans became for me the embodiment of the horrible simplistic things that people say when they haven't gone through anything really really painful and really really complex or when they have and they they are just in denial about how that affected them. So he's kind of become a an invisible character in, in my book and in my life. Like anytime I, yeah. I see a post like that, I'm like, okay, skinny jeans. Yeah. All right, get off the stage. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Poor skinny jeans are getting a bad rap. But the Sorry. whole <laughs> argument of like that your circumstances shouldn't impact how you view God, that just feels so detached. So with detached. reality. Yeah. And I think like a lot of things that we say, it's incomplete. You know, maybe there's something, there's something there maybe, but like the incomplete thing can be really confusing mm-hmm. and really painful yeah. for people. Would for you sure. say that's true? Definitely. Yeah. You pr- present these simplistic things and they become 
absolute truth to us. They become a formula for us and it works until it doesn't work anymore. And then when it doesn't work anymore, everything falls apart. Yeah. I highlighted or I wrote down a bunch of notes as I was reading. And one thing that I wrote down was how you said that sometimes the fear of like changing our minds, if we're afraid of changing our minds, that can get in the way of finding truth. Yeah. So I'd love to hear you expand on that because I think some people equate changing our mind with being with, you know, oh, well, we've just given up on the truth, right? Like yeah. we have compromised oh. the idea that like we are standing firm mm -hmm. on our theology. <laughs> we will never change our minds because we're so strong in our faith. Tell me what's missing with that. I think I just can't see faith as certainty anymore and having these really rigid ways of thinking and believing because if scripture tells us anything it's that we can't understand anything of what's going on we can't even yeah. comprehend the love of god we can't comprehend what any of this is at any given time and i think faith is is something that moves it's something that has a heartbeat it's something that trusts and it's something that you can't always nail down into a doctrinal statement or a theological statement sometimes you just have to um have faith that you're going to be okay that that god is with you and god is present with you and when you get these things that you're so sure of these faith formulas that are are never going to change then what happens is you just fracture yourself because there's no way to hold on to those things all the time without coming uh face to face with something that contradicts what you're holding so tightly to and when that happens when your formula isn't working when your doctrine is failing you you can either double down and ignore the reality of what's happening in front of you or you can open your hand and say all right either i'm wrong my doctrine's wrong I, maybe i don't understand yeah. this but i'm gonna i'm gonna seek and i'm gonna pursue and i'm gonna try to figure this out because i can't keep standing still i have to move forward i have to find a way to heal i have to find a way to function i have to find a way to make the world make sense around me again or for me to be at peace with it not making <laughs> any sense yeah. at all and yeah. you can't do that when you're standing still yeah and that's a really active faith i would say yeah, they're wrestling definitely. with it because mm -hmm. you haven't just said i figured it out i'm putting it on the shelf i don't have yeah. to think about it anymore the actual oh okay god i thought this was true about you but it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like it is what are we going to do with this yeah and i love how you say that that is actually a sign of like a, a really healthy relationship yeah. you don't come to a god that you don't trust and say mm -hmm. I'm side-eyeing you, God. <laughs> I have the side-eye about these verses mm -hmm. and about my lived experience because my yeah. lived experience feels feels different. Yep. And sure. I, I love that. Yes, absolutely. We would want our kids to come to us. Yeah. I mean, they when and if they think we're just going to be angry, they're not going to come to us. Right. If they don't trust us, if we don't have an attached relationship, they're not going to ever bring that to us. And we don't yeah. want that. That's all kinds of messed up. So. Yeah, you could have a whole a whole conversation about how attachment affects our, our faith too. <laughs> yes. You had said maybe in your in your launch team, or or maybe it was in the book, how you had always assumed that your first book would be about your church experience. Like yeah. you had a really hard mm -hmm. traumatic church experience. Um yes, did. so many of my listeners are here because they've been hurt or disillusioned with their Christian faith. They think for the most part they still trust Jesus. Mm -hmm. but like some things have just gone really badly. They've mm -hmm. seen it go badly. I would love 
to hear you talk a little bit about how that experience for you has mm-hmm. has colored the way you interact with people that say, like raise your hand and say, I had a hard experience. Like mm-hmm. this was hard. This thing happened to me. How how do you respond to that in light of your own your own mm-hmm. background? Usually I just want to hear what happened because when you walk through something like that, um, it's hard to find people who love Jesus, who want to hear about it, who can hear it without interjecting or saying, but this or but that. And I experienced so much of that of people saying, well, did you give the pastor any reason to say those things to you and don't touch the Lord's anointed? (laughs) And that seems really strange that he would do that. Is there more to this story and just this immediate trying to figure out how God's anointed could possibly fail that way? Surely he wouldn't. So you must be the problem. You're not sharing your whole story. Like there's something else going on here. And the pain of of having to defend your pain is brutal, and it makes it really, really hard to heal when when you go to tell your story and someone is immediately dismissing it. So my initial response is always, all right, let's see the wound. Take the bandaid off. Let me see how gross and gory it is under there, and then let's let it air out a little bit and see what we can do about patching you up in this conversation. And sometimes that ends up being a relationship that builds. And sometimes I have these conversations just like in passing at coffee shops where we can just recognize a shared pain in each other for some reason. And one person says something, the other person says something. And you're like, hang on a second. We had the same, you eye rolled when I said I used to be a youth pastor. What's going on there? Let's <laughs> let's talk about it. And it's just this openness yeah. to like, I'm not afraid of, of your gory wound. Like, just show it to me. Let's just, let's see it. <laughs> Tell me about that. Tell me why you're not afraid. Because I feel like some people are threatened by, yeah. like my lived experience threatens some people's experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it makes them uncomfortable. It does. Uh, uh, why aren't you afraid? <laughs> Um, well, I think it goes back to that, like holding things so tightly and when you're holding on to your yeah. idea of what church should be or what church is and somebody challenges that idea with a really painful story, your response is, I don't want to see it. I, I don't want to yeah. look at that. And I think that looking at each other's wounds helps us understand each other more and it helps us be the bride of Christ in a way that is truly reflective of the heart of Christ. And I don't think we can do that by refusing to look at somebody's mess. Obviously, we all have different capacities and you kind of have to be aware of where you're at in your journey and how much, how how many stories, how many wounds yeah. you can yeah. look at. With my work, I definitely have to take time to refill my, my soul after I hear a couple yeah. gory stories in, in a row. But I just don't think there's anything to be afraid of. It's not somebody else's wound is not gonna affect my relationship with God. It's not going to affect the way that I see the world because I've already engaged with so much pain that somebody else's pain, my response isn't, Ooh, I don't want to see. It's what can I do to help you? I love that. That's beautiful. Unfortunately, I think it sometimes takes having a hard, painful situation yourself to get to that place to be like, oh yeah, I used to be the one that was like, well, they must have done something. Mm-hmm. They must have done something wrong. <laughs> they aren't a good fit for that church. If they, why did they go there then? Like it's a little bit more complicated. Yes, a little is. bit more complicated than yeah. that is. Um, but I also have so much empathy for people that also aren't in a position to hear it. Mm-hmm. Because I remember, I just remember being the person that couldn't because mm-hmm. it would cost me too much. There is a cost 
to being willing to see the truth. There are certain places you just can't go anymore and you can't unknow things that you know. <laughs> so true. Um, and people really want you to be in a certain place. And if you bring nuance mm. in, in some <laughs> rooms, people don't want you there. And the nuance it says, I love Jesus. And I absolutely believe you. I'm so sorry. Like, I believe it because I believe there's a sin nature. I believe we have a sin nature and that people yeah. do stupid things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does not do any good for me to grill people. I think starting with, I'm just really sorry. I've seen yeah. it happen and I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just messy and hard. And being in this space too is really interesting. And I'm sure you've seen it too. We bump up against a lot of people at different stages of healing yeah, with different amounts of activation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. How do you handle that? Deal with all of the messiness of it. I try to have what I call serotonin deposits in my day. <laughs> so I'm kind of like a serotonin junkie. I'm always looking for things that are going to make me laugh or take my mind off things. When things are really heavy, um, in the work that I do, I write a lot. I journal. Yeah. I have to process. And when I when I don't get it out of my system, it builds up and you can't keep anything in ever. You, like compartmentalizing is not a thing. Eventually, it's going to break out and you're going to, it's yeah. not going to be, you're not going to probably realize that what it's connected to, but it's going to end up leaking out of you in some way. And that usually turns into me like rage cleaning or snapping at my <laughs> husband or getting impatient with my kids. Zach would be like, Kristen, could you rage clean instead of snapping at me? <laughs> he knows better than that. I have seen you bring joy into dark spaces too, which I love. Like my mm-hmm. listeners need to go follow you on Instagram because you know, some, some days you're sharing heavy things and some days you're having a dance party. And I think yeah. that is real life. I think it's like, <laughs> bring your whole self. It Wouldn't it be wonderful if we said to the world, our faith communities are a place for you to bring your own self, your rage cleaning yeah. self, your sad self, yeah. and your Taylor Swift dance party self. <laughs> bring it all. Let's do that. That'd be, that'd be great. There's actually a principle... Um, from a ministry called Life Model Works is where I learned it from, but it's called I'm Happy to Be With You No Matter What. We're happy to be together no matter what. And it's this beautiful, joy-fueled principle of making eye contact with people and showing them that you're happy to be with them no matter what's going on in their life. So I'm happy to be with you if you're depressed. I'm happy to be with you if you have really bad dance moves. I'm happy to be with you if you're rage cleaning. (laughs) And it's this, this ministry of togetherness and the power and what happens in your brain neurologically when you make eye contact with somebody who's genuinely happy to see you is transformational. So I try to incorporate that into my life, into our community and pass that on to other people because it is so powerful when you are in a really dark season and somebody is happy to see you. They're not waiting for you to get better. They're just happy to be with you in the moment. I think that helps us heal and have dance parties in the dark, (laughs) in the dark seasons because we have people who are with us. It's great. Yeah. I love the happy to be with you wherever you are because it doesn't send that message of I'm really nervous and anxious about you being in this space and you need to get over it. Yeah. And when you get over it, I'll be here and ready for you. Yep, exactly. (laughs) So when you get your act together, we could be friends. You have talked a tiny bit about this, but I would love to have you talk about it here for my listeners is we have seen 
in the publishing world, like a reaction to the people that are dealing with pain. Mm-hmm. And there's this reaction that says deconstruction is bad and we must stop it. Mm-hmm. And it is evil. Mm-hmm. And it is like this gateway to Satan or something mm-hmm. like, tell me what you would say to people that are like, why are people writing books saying that I'm doing it wrong? Yeah, I think you have thoughts on this and I would love to hear them. I do. There's a lot of different motivations for why people write books. I think it's well-intentioned. Like I that. think it is for the most part. Yeah. Sometimes, I think sometimes it's it's well-intentioned. Sometimes I think it's capitalizing on a moment without good intentions and seeing yeah. a gap in the market and filling that gap regardless of how it harms people. I think yeah. some of the recent books that have come out are more about rage baiting <laughs> than... <laughs> than actually offering help because the books are not for people who are deconstructing. They're for people who are critical of deconstructing. Say and anybody, that. Yeah. <laughs> anybody who reads those books and finds a lot of merit in it haven't had their mind changed about it. They've just had their suspicions confirmed by these books, uh, which is why I think they're really harmful because they actually don't bring understanding. They just say, yeah, you're right. They are trying to abandon their faith and we should call them different things other than Christians because they're not real Christians. I think it's a Mm -hmm. gross misunderstanding and a gross simplification of what's actually going on. And that's something that's really complex and nuanced to each individual person. And it's really a miss, man. You're, you're missing out on a good conversation by doubling down on your misunderstandings but that's just those are some really filtered (laughs) filtered thoughts that I have about that yeah I feel like it misses the point too what are you trying to accomplish with a book that says you're doing it wrong yeah and it does feel like you said preaching to the choir like -hmm. this is not a book for people that are hurting and searching it's not Mm -hmm. it's a gatekeeping book that says those people out there are doing it wrong and it makes me really sad yeah. Because I do not see how that helps move the needle in any positive way. If somebody is hurting, we don't tell them they're hurting wrong. Right. It just makes no sense to me. Mm. Even if you do think they are in danger of doing something wrong, mm. that's not the way to reach them. No, it's a very What's a better um, way. Christianity is intrinsically a relational faith. And when you do yeah. things like that, when you speak from a book or you speak from a platform and you're not actually engaging with the people that you're talking to or talking about, it is the antithesis of what the kingdom of God is about. And, and that's why it causes harm because the kingdom of God is relational. And if you want to stop somebody from sliding down this imaginary slippery slope that I don't believe exists at all, except if it does, we're all on the slippery slope all all the time. (laughs) Yes. But if that's an actual fear for you, the best way to help somebody who you're afraid is going to spiral and lose their faith is to have a relationship with them in a relationship that's not based or centered on your panic and fear about where their questions might take them. You can just have a relationship with somebody and not have it be about you saving them and preventing them from burning in whatever hell you've imagined they're going to burn in forever. Just be (laughs) with people, sit with people, talk to people. You'll be surprised by what you learn and you'll realize that people are not as much of a threat as you think they are from a distance, from your platforms, from your Instagrams, from your books. (laughs) I think it's the same sort of thing. Like, People that are sharing the harmful books or the things they feel like are harmful, 
I don't think most of them are in a place to hear me say, hey, probably not. I don't like it. I have found what's more helpful in situations like that is for me to maybe ask if they're open to hearing another perspective. And then when they are, sometimes they aren't. And then later on they are. I have found that to be a really interesting way of approaching Yep. Hard. Happens all the time. Conversation. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your experience with, I know you, you carry this like burden for not harming, not not traumatizing people with your story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Knowing how scripture has been uh, weaponized against people. Mm -hmm. Knowing that your lived experience of in some ways getting a prayer answered in a way you hoped Mm-hmm. is very different than some people that prayed and God did not do the thing that they asked. And so I would love to hear you kind of talk about how you hold those things together and like make space for, for both of those things. Well, I think people think if you if you get the thing that you prayed for, everything's all good. Yeah. But for me, getting what I prayed for in this circumstance in the book. There are a lot of times that I didn't, which I also talk about in the book too, Mm -hmm. but this specific thing that challenged my faith probably more than anything else other than what we went through at our church because I understood so deeply and had, had accepted so strongly that our story wouldn't end up that way and knowing how fragile it was and knowing how most people who have all the things that we had, their story doesn't end up the way that ours did. And so I held that really, really closely. And it was one of the biggest things I had to process in therapy afterwards, because I don't want to say it was guilt, but it was just this, we cannot figure out the formula. There is no formula to move God's neck and to make him give us what we want him to give us. I've tried yeah. the formula and I I can't, like, I can't tell you why I don't get what I prayed for and why I did this this time get what I, I have no idea. I, it was nothing that I did. It was no statement of faith because I, I was just trying to survive. There was nothing brave and courageous happening. I was just trying to put one foot in front of the other. Um, but I hold those tensions with both hands all the time. And my approach to all of that is that I think it's so important that we just bear witness to each other's pain and not try to make sense of it for ourselves or for someone else because it's always going to end up leaving us aching and we're already aching and and we don't want to add to each other's ache. So my approach is to just make eye contact with people's pain and not be afraid to look at it and not be afraid for that uncomfortable, you didn't get what you asked for and I did and I don't know why and I don't try to make it into anything like, well, you didn't get what you asked for because you didn't do what I did. I think yeah. that is so toxic and so and so untrue. I didn't do anything. But I think the most important thing is to just bear witness to it and be present with people in the uncomfortable reality of not knowing why some things happen for others or, or to others. Yeah. I think that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it could be know. a hard thing to say. Yeah. But maybe the truest thing to say yeah, is, absolutely. I don't know. It does not make any sense. The mm-hmm. way things happen, the, the, the different results that people get. I see an overarching theme in your book of, I don't know if it's like overtly said, but like this, this idea of reckoning with even prayer 
Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean if I pray mm-hmm. enough? Is there such thing as enough? Not enough? Mm-hmm. What if I get more people to pray? <laughs> what? And and it's the formula of like, oh, I bet if I was fasting, mm-hmm. maybe I needed to be kneeling. Maybe I needed to be standing. Maybe <laughs> I needed to be raising my hand. Of right. like, but then that the reminder of no, because that once again centers mm-hmm. us. Yep. And we say we don't believe the prosperity gospel that says that if we do the right thing, we are blessed. We get X, Y, Z. But then we sort of live like it and we forget yep. and we use the words that say that in a different mm-hmm. way. I remember around the time my kids were, were little tiny babies and now my youngest is a freshman in high school. I, I remember like there was, this is the mommy blog era. This is like <laughs> 2009. This yep. is like the height of it. And off, a lot of these really popular mommy blogs were centered around their children's health issues. Do you remember this? I do. Yes, I do. Yep. <laughs> They're like, you were following the people because their kids had major medical issues. Yeah. Why? I mean, it was what we did. It was wild. It was wild. We're the uh, TLC generation. <laughs> we were. One of them. Um, sweet, sweet woman. I still follow them. I bet they don't even agree with their past self. Hmm. Most of us don't. I don't agree with our past self. True. And that the more words we have out in the world, the more we have to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, world. Yep. I was a different person. Yep. But this this young mama said, you know, their, their baby was in the hospital, newborn baby. And very popular blogger. So many people were praying. And she said, I just know that God is going to heal my baby because how could he not with all of these people? Mm-hmm praying and watching wouldn't it harm his name of some way and I was like I am a nobody yeah and I just lost my mom really suddenly Mm. and doesn't that sort of thing say if I knew more people Mm -hmm. if I was more popular God would be more likely to answer my prayer yeah but I don't think she meant that but it was yeah yeah I think that's one of those theologies that we pick up subtly, we just sort of absorb it without thinking yeah. through all the way. My husband always says I have implication brain. So if you tell me something's true, I'm gonna be like, well, if that's true, then this has to be true and that has to be true and that can apply in this yeah. situation. So it can't be true. Everything, yeah. it's really, I'm insufferable sometimes, but <laughs> that's made that's made being a Christian really hard because I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> hang on, let's follow that theology all the way down. Yeah. But I don't think yeah. anybody picks something up like that and means it to be malicious or harmful but it absolutely can be because you're implying that you have to have social power to make god pay attention to you and leverage your influence so that god owes you something and it turns into this entitlement and it's really just a result of theology that hasn't been processed and hasn't been thought through which is why i think it's so important that we need to think through the things that we believe before we're in a crisis, you got to think through these things. Or if it doesn't work out the way that you think it's guaranteed to work out, your life is going to fall apart in, a, in an entirely different way. I kind of saw implication brain at work while you were carrying your twins. <laughs> um, even while you're dealing with all these things and you desperately want people to pray for you. Yeah. I saw that even if he doesn't. I mm-hmm. saw that like, hey, I'm not saying... God's going to do this because y'all are following me. Yeah. Or someone shared my post and more people are following me. Yeah. Um, 
And I thought that was really compassionate. And I think it likely is because you've, you've just seen it go badly. <laughs> Talk about that. I've seen it go badly. And, I, and I've seen what can happen to communities when you gather around a crisis and are praying for a certain outcome and that doesn't work out the way that you're praying for it to work out and how that can spiral people's faith and send people into yeah. a crisis. So when people were saying that about my my pregnancy and they were saying, God, give us a victory so the world will see how good you are. I had seen so often God being good when I didn't have a victory and I yeah. knew that I was not guaranteed this. And even though I wanted it so desperately, I wanted people to pray. I still didn't understand. And I still don't understand how prayer can affect things like that. I don't know what the, the formula, <laughs> well, the formula yeah. is if, yeah. if more people pray, does God change his mind? I don't know. I think you could probably present a case for both things. And so I, I wanted people to pray more because I wanted, I wanted that around me. I wanted that love around me, but I also wanted people to know that in, in me asking you to pray for me, I am not, I'm not demanding that God give me a miracle and my yeah. faith, at least from this side of things, my faith is going to stay the same regardless of the outcome. And right here, before things go bad, I'm saying that God is good no matter what. And if things go bad, I reserve the right to change my mind, but <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> yeah. to leverage this for yeah. some some big thing. I think you have to really be aware of the privilege that we have to have people around us. If you have a platform, the privilege yeah. that you have to have a platform from which to speak and think about the millions of people all over the world who don't have a community. They don't have people who love them. They don't have a platform. They don't have social media. They don't have these ways to call upon the saints to pray for them. Is God any less good to them and any less willing to give them a miracle because they don't make a show of it. I don't, I don't think so. I think some yeah. of the best miracles are really, really quiet and nobody ever knows about them except the people who experience them. Yeah. I have mentioned this a couple times, but it's like one of the highlights of my life. So I have to mention it. <laughs> I got lucky enough that because someone got sick, I got to have dinner with Diane Langberg. Oh. She's, Thanks Jim for getting sick. There was an extra chair at the table and I was like, mm -hmm. I'll be there. And so, um, I remember saying to her, hey, I sometimes feel like when things are really bad, like I've given God a pass, like, okay, this was bad, this was bad, this this was bad. I feel like I'm, I want to say to God, like, okay, I've hit my grief deductible. Right. Like, yeah. I have hit that mm -hmm. and now I should get a pass. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this bad thing happened. That is yeah. enough bad things. I want the weather sunny. Mm -hmm. I don't want my kids sick. I would like mm -hmm. them sleeping through the night. Um, this doesn't make any sense. And she chuckled and she was like, yeah, but Jesus didn't get a pass. And I was like, doggone it, Dr. <laughs> she Jesus juked you. Come on. <laughs> but it's, it's so very true. Yeah. Jesus begged God. Yeah. If there was another way. If there was mm -hmm. any other way, can we do it another way, God? And mm -hmm. he chose to not do it another way. And it wasn't because he wasn't praying, right? Right. Or that he had secret sin in his life. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like if he was just like oh, gosh. standing yeah. on his head or something. Like we cannot look at that and say, you will get your what you ask for mm -hmm. if you do it right. 
every yeah. time because Jesus did it right. If anybody yeah. did it right, it was Jesus, and he didn't yeah. get what he asked That's for. That's true. Yeah. And I would he probably hit his deductible. His oh, deductible. easily. He was born meeting his deductible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to, to like ask a few lighthearted things okay. as we wrap this up. I know it's been a little bit chaotic, but I feel like a chaos energy about me today. But I love it. I would like to ask you, and if somebody's already asked you this, I'm gonna feel really bummed. Okay. If you had a theme song, Kristen. Mm. What would it be? Like if either that or walk-up music for when you walk up to give your oh big talk wherever you are. Oh. What is it? Well, it's going to be a Taylor Swift song probably. <laughs> it would be a toss-up between <laughs> I Forgot That You Existed <laughs> or I Did Something Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I hope this is at a Christian like event. Because oh, it adds a whole absolutely. extra flavor. Yeah. Like, here we are. Yeah. Also, do you eat food at potlucks that people bring and just put on the table? I do. Is that bad? You do. Well, some people are wor- people are some people are nervous about like they don't know where it came from. Okay, oh, because so you, you bring what are you bringing? Oh, what am I bringing to a potluck? Um, I will bring <laughs> cowboy caviar or um like a buffalo chicken dip or something. Okay, I would. I would have that. I, I like a dip. What that. can I say? <laughs> this is going to go on the quote card on Instagram. What can a, I say? a chip dip. A chip Here dip. Is, <laughs> this, this is the takeaway. Chip dip. Cowboy caviar. There you go. Yeah. Very deep stuff today. This is this is good. Um, thank you for coming. And just thank you for being you. Thank you for existing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story in a way that is caring. And compassionate, not feeling the need to defend God, <laughs> but say, here's, here's some things that I've experienced and welcome, welcome. So how can we support you? How can we find your book? You can find it anywhere. It's, it's oh, out on February 20th. So anywhere you want to buy the book, you can. You can follow me on Instagram. It's just my name, Kristen.Lavalley, and I have a Substack blog as well. So great. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And yeah. um, I, I cannot wait for, I know my listeners will love your book. I've had a chance to read it and it's, it's lovely. It made me laugh. I laughed. I cried. <laughs> it moved me. It was great. So, <laughs> thanks so much, Kristen. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Can I ask you a quick favor? If you enjoy the Untangled Faith podcast, would you send it to a friend? Most people discover podcasts by word of mouth. Your recommendation would help me so much. The Untangled Faith Podcast is supported by my listeners who support me on Patreon. For more information about the Patreon community, you can check out patreon.com slash untangledfaith. That's patreon.com slash untangledfaith. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.